Hello, everyone. This is Anthony with Be the Gospel. Thank you for joining us again today. I want to go ahead and start out with a testimony from last night. Um, my mother-in-law came to me after I finished preparing dinner, and she asked if I would go with her to pray for a lady who was diagnosed with a rare stomach cancer. And the cancer did not spread, didn't go anywhere else. It just stayed in her stomach. And the the doctors are kind of baffled by it. Um, they said they haven't seen that kind of cancer, any case of it, in the last 100 years. So just to give you an, an idea of how rare that, that cancer was. And she was in extreme pain. Um, so we went over, my mother-in-law and I, and uh, the lady mainly spoke Spanish. She was from California, and she was here visiting uh, when here in McAllen, Texas, or not McAllen, but right here in South Texas, um, visiting family when uh, just basically having issues with their stomach and uh, the tumor and, and everything else. So my mother-in-law just ministers to her, sharing the, the plan of salvation and and just you know, walking it through what, what God says and who God is and, and his nature and his character. And right then and there, and they decide to give their lives to the Lord. And this is major because, I mean, I up to that point, I hadn't looked around the room. I was just kind of focused in on her and seeing that she was in pain. Buddha, there was a statue of, I think, Helen of Greece, you know, the, the Greek goddess. Um, there was a picture of Jesus. There was... You know, all these idols around the room. And we found out later that she was a palm reader. And uh, she had big plans for that kind of life and that lifestyle. And when this happened to her, she tried everything she knew how to do what to do, all the new age stuff, everything, and nothing worked. She went to the doctors. The doctors said, there's nothing we can do. We don't know how to help her. Nobody has experience with this this cancer. And uh, thank God that he is the ultimate physician. And so her and her family, they, they confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, made a decision for Christ. And uh, my mother looks, Law looks at me and says, all right, time to pray for her. So I pray. To lay hands on her, start praying for her, and she gets completely set free and healed. There's no more pain, no more issues with it. She was freaking out, started crying and glorifying God. She immediately sits up and then she's checking. She goes, There's no more pain. And she's freaking out. She starts, She goes, This is a miracle. And then she, she stands up and she hugs her husband. And right before that, she said she was very weak. She couldn't get up, right? So she gets, she stands up and she hugs her husband. and and we just stand there, and I mean, we sit there with them, and we're, we're answering their questions and sharing that it's Jesus who heals, it's God who heals, and He's the only way. And all the idols and all the the, the things that they had surrounded surrounding them in the house was not going to benefit them at all, you know. And so uh, they said, "Yes, we, we, you know, we're Jesus only from here on in. This changes everything." And so they're going to be getting rid of all their idols and everything. So it was just a really awesome experience. We get home. We share it with my wife. And she goes, did you get pictures and video? I'm like, I'm not the pictures and video type of guy, you know. <laughs> and my mother-in-law kept telling me, take pictures, take video. And I'm like, uh, this feels awkward, you know. <laughs> Here she is praising God, thanking God. And you want me to record her while she's doing this. You know what I mean? And she's crying and hugging her husband and just being so grateful to God and, and everything. And it was just it was just awkward for me. And so my wife was like, I should have went to do all that. I was like, yeah, that would have been uh, great. That would have been amazing because then I wouldn't have to even think about it, just, you know, focus on ministry. And uh, so we get home, and I, I share with my mother-in-law about, you know, um, what I believe God was doing and what he did. And, and then also, you know, told her to contact the lady with her information so that if she ever needed her, she can call her, right? So she does that. The lady goes, I'm still, you know, pain-free. I'm, I'm still fine. 
I'm doing good. I said, great. That's, that's awesome news. And um, so basically she hadn't eaten any full meals or more than three bites. The most she could eat was three bites of anything, even soup. And uh, then she couldn't handle it because the tumor was in her stomach and, you know, obviously taking up more room than it, than it, than it needed. It didn't need to be there, period, right? And so uh, I said, don't worry about it. When you're, when the, the tumor's gone, you'll be able to eat. Everything will turn back to normal. You'll see. And so today she she calls again, and she says, I'm still completely healed and free, and I'm able to drink a lot more water. Uh, but she's still weak because she hasn't eaten. I said, it's okay. It's okay. You know, she's like, I can drink a lot of water. Uh, but it, you know, because I drank so much water, I ended up, you know, throwing it back up. And I was like, it's okay, like you're, you're gonna be all right. And uh, just gave her some advice and hydrating and everything so she can stay strong. And <clears throat> so I'll keep you updated and posted on on the rest of that testimony as uh, as we get more information. But just to show the power of God, demonstrate the power of God at will at any moment. At any time, this is what believers should be walking in. This is what all of us are called to do. That that is for all of us as a body of Christ to to flow in and operate in. Because this is what Jesus said. He said, "Believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover." And so it's just amazing what God does and how He does it, and it's baffling to our minds because. We're not doing anything. You know, I was just there laying hands on her uh, for a couple of minutes until she was completely healed. Yeah, she's still, her, her body's still recovering, but all all the symptoms, everything else, you know, is either diminishing or it's completely gone. So it's just amazing, amazing just, just hearing and seeing what, what God is doing there. So this is, you know, um, if you've been following us for a while, this is what we teach, is what we train people, we travel and train. In fact, we're going to be traveling to India in, in a couple of weeks. We're going to be training in, throughout churches in, in several states. Um, we're also going to be in a, in a Bible school, several Bible schools, and just training the believers and trainers and future trainers and, and ministers in, in simple truths that allow them to walk in the power of God anywhere they're at at any time. And it's not any manipulation towards God. It's not, you know, twisting God's arm. It's not any of those things. It's just simplicity. So if you'd like to uh, donate to that, uh, we, we are still, you know, we're still short of our, our goal and, and our budget for, for this trip. And so we're just trying to raise the last $1,600 to basically take care of the entire trip, which would be absolutely amazing because it will be one of the first trips we take where um, we're not a burden to understand. People open their homes to us, and we love that and everything, but sometimes it can be a burden, you know, especially if they've been out ministering with us all the time and they want to go home and rest. It's like we want to go home, and so this is going to be one of our first trips where we're not going to actually be a burden to anyone. So it's just it's amazing. And we're definitely looking forward to that. And you can just go to our website, bethegospel.com, and just click on the Give tab, and, and you can just give there. Also, uh, just click Update. I am working on the God is Healer manual, making it a more complete manual where you can just sit down and read through it without hearing the teaching from me or anyone else in our in our ministry. And go through it and, and fully understand the concepts, the ideas, and what God's saying, and how simple it is to see the sick yet. And you can even take those same principles and apply them to prophets. The same principles, apply them to words of knowledge and words of wisdom and speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these things, they all work the same. It's the same principles. And that's what I'm reinforcing throughout the manual, that it's it's about the, the ministry of reconciliation, being reconciled back to God, that we're connected back to God. And since we're connected back to God, we're able to operate freely 
in what he's provided to us, his, his great and precious promises. So very excited about that. But um, let's go ahead and dive in. We didn't take enough time. Go ahead and dive into today's message about surrender. And it's, it's a total surrender. It's not a partial surrender. And it's better for us to surrender today than to surrender to, you know, surrender to God today than to surrender to our enemies tomorrow or later on. Because ultimately, that's what it boils down to. It's, it's what it, it, it gets to because if you realize it or not, you're slaves to one or the other. And this is what Paul is writing in the book of Romans. Either you're a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. There's no middle ground. And so when you begin to realize that we either are a bond servant, we're fully connected where our nature, every, the goodness of God and the holiness and his grace and his mercy and his, you know, his goodness, or it's for the satisfaction of self and lust and, and all these issues that are of the fallen nature, the, the nature of the devil that's, that's focused on me, I, my, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, all these other things, right? So it's like, what, what, which one are you going to hold on to? Which one are you going to grab to? Which are you going to gravitate to? But as believers, we have been given the spirit of God, which is the very nature of God, the essence of God. And from him, everything flows. It, it, it functions perfectly. So all we have to do is get in alignment with him, which requires a submission to him. Yesterday I was I was listening to an old um, worship song. And basically it's talking about, you know, conform my heart, my will, you know, to yours. You know, conform my will to yours. Mold, mold my heart into yours, right? And, and there's just something about that where it's it's simple lyrics, but it's so impactful because what it ultimately is saying is, God, I, I completely surrender my life. And this is what worship really is. It's just surrender. I surrender my will to the sovereign king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, it's your will. It's your kingdom. Therefore, as a, as a member of your kingdom, I must operate and function under the rules and, and the laws and the regulations that are put in place that are for my betterment and everyone around us, their betterment. Because as we learn the importance of surrender, you begin to see the simplicity of the truth of God becoming reality, the truth of God manifesting in your life. And this is what's so key, it's so important. This is what destroys all the lies and in, in the, the hurts and the bad experiences and everything that the enemy has tried to use to keep you out of your promised land. Because you're saying, I don't care about making a way for myself anymore. The only thing I want is to be completely and utterly surrendered to God 100% of the time. Not 99.9. Not 99.9999. But 100%. This is my passion. This is what I push forward to. This is the race that I run to, to grow up into the full stature of Jesus Christ. This is what every believer should be doing and stepping out into and driving towards and, and being passionate about and consecrating themselves, setting themselves apart for God. And we're going to see this. We're going to see this here in Joshua. We're going to be in the first three chapters. I'm going to show you 
that this is what Joshua was telling the Israelites. So he was telling himself. There's, there's something to it when we can be completely devoted to God in our mind, in our actions, in our, in our words. That is just so powerful. The enemy wants to get you away from this place. He wants to distract you. He wants you to seek entertainment. He wants you to get distracted with problems and issues. He, he, he throws everything at you. He tries to attack your character. He tries to attack your nature. He tries to, to put you down and, and tear you up from the inside out and the outside in so that you can't receive anything from God because you think that God's going to lie to you just like everyone else has and everything else has. And it's the biggest lie. God is your help, steps in, and, and creates healing. He heals. He brings back together. He binds back together as if it had never been ripped apart as, as before. And so the only thing we can do as a true response to the grace of God, the goodness of God, what he did through Jesus Christ is worship, surrender. That's what gets us into the kingdom, keeps us in the kingdom. So humble yourselves before, before God. Resist the devil and he will fall. God exalts the humble, but he humbles the proud. So you want to step into your promised land in humility. You want to step into your promised land, surrender to God. Because let's be honest, when you start stepping into your promised land, you're like, yes, this is amazing, this is great, but I don't know how to function in my promised land. I don't know how to interact. And, and go from here to inheriting what God has promised fully. Because remember, when the Israelites stepped into the promised land, it was full of enemies. It was already inhabited. Someone else was there already. But God says, go up. I will deliver them into your hands. This is the, the land flowing with milk and honey. So they had to surrender. They had to choose to surrender and step into this. So let's go ahead and start in Joshua 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll continue from there. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, the servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Okay, let's stop for a second. This, this is amazing because there's parallels. What does Jesus say? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with us. And this is what God's telling Joshua. So it's like you're Joshua. And here God's giving you clear instructions, saying the promises 
the blessing of God into a thousand generations, the promises I've made for you, you're going to step into. Those who came before you, your fathers, they died in the wilderness because they could not trust God. Hebrews says that they, it did not benefit them. The promises of God, the word of God didn't benefit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't mix the word of God with trust. They didn't take the word of God and decide to trust the word of God to see it come to completion. What did they do instead? They moaned and complained and, and argued and, and back, you know, slandered and, and backbited and, and gossiped and, and did all these other things except trust God's word. And it caused them to forfeit their entire generation. So let's look at verse 7. There's a lot here. You know, we can go back and we can talk about Joshua was first a servant to Moses. He wasn't trying to exalt himself. He wasn't trying to do anything. But the only thing he wanted to do was be at the tenth door when the Spirit of God came in the house of the, the tenth of meetings. When when God came to visit Moses, it says that Joshua was at the door of of the the meeting place. He instead of giving in to fear, instead of giving in to you know ridicule, they probably got they probably made fun of him. They probably you know, criticized him or whatever. He didn't care. He he went and he stayed there until Moses came out. Moses came in. It's there's so much here, so much here. I'm telling you. Uh, verse seven. Only be strong. So here's the second time he's telling him, be strong, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make, you, you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So if people realize it or not, this is a spiritual law that has been stated here, Right? As you meditate on God's word and you take God's word and you act upon it, you do what is written in there. It says be careful to do according to all that is written in it, right? So when you take God's word in the new covenant and you act upon it, you love God with all your heart, mind, and you do unto others that you, you know, as you love others the, the way you love yourself, it says in these two commandments, all the law is fulfilled. So when we look at it from that perspective and we, we set ourselves, hey, you know, loving God and, and loving ourselves and loving others, that's, that's something I can devote myself to doing, right? Then you don't say hurtful things because you wouldn't want someone to say hurtful things to you. Instead, what do you do? You find ways to edify and build up and exhort and, and so on. But let's go back to this. Uh, verse 9, and it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? So this is the third time. So when God brings things up in threes, it's important that you pay attention. Okay? Because if he's bringing up in threes, you need to listen. He's making a definite point. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you you go. Now watch this. And then it transitions immediately into Joshua being into the role as a leader. So then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people saying, prepare preparations for yourselves. For within three days, you are to cross this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess it. So it's about possessing the inheritance, possessing the promise, right? This is what we're talking about here. 
And he says, to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, Joshua said, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in, in the land which Moses gave you behind the Jordan, cross before your brothers in battle array, all valiant warriors, and shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards sunrise. He says, they answered Joshua saying, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your, your command and does not obey your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So here's a fourth time. These are the leaders. These are the officers of the Israelites are telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. It's interesting, right? And I'll get back to that here in a second because when we step into something that is God, that is new, it is very easy to get sidetracked and to get pulled into fear because it's uncomfortable. And what's going on here, and I'm just going to have to hit on it just because this is very important that you get, is what happens is we will back off, back out, and abort because it feels uncomfortable, because it's unknown. And we give into that fear. And so what God was doing and what even the officers were doing was encouraging the leader that God set in place, saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be mighty and overcome your fear by facing your fear. This is what you were telling. That's what courage is. It's not having no fear. It's being able to confront fear and not back down because of what God, in, in this passage, you know, what God has for you in, in the relationship with God that is so important. And if, you, if we go back and, like I said, we look at Joshua's life, he had a relationship with God. And I have to say, at some point in all the years that he was at, at the tent with Moses, that he got used to hearing God's voice. Two and Joshua is basically about Rahab and, the, you know, he, he shelters the spies and they make a promise to Rahab um, when they sent the spies into to Jericho. And I want to pay attention to Joshua 3, and we're going to start in verse 1, and here it goes. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and he and all the sons of Israel sent out from Shittim and came to the Jordan, and they lodged there before they crossed. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you and in a distance of about 2,000 cubic cubits by measure, do not come near it. So you're saying, it's kind of like when you follow, a, a, you're on the highway and there's a semi and it says, if you're within 20 feet, you're too close. Or you're within 100 feet or 200 feet, you're too close. Right? Because they'll they could slam on the brakes and you'll just basically get crushed slamming into the back of that. And so this is what he's saying is like the power of God, the presence of God was the ark was the manifest manifested presence of God on the earth at that time. They're saying, look, you can't even be in the presence of God. Like you need to, you know, stay back uh, 2000 cubits and says, do not come near it that you may not 
that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. So it's saying, follow God. Because you don't know where you're going. This is a new land. This is a new place. Follow his direction. Wait for him to go and, and reveal the direction that we're supposed to go. Then we follow. Right? Don't get, don't get ahead of God. But look at this. Verse 5, it says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. Devote yourselves to God. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Come on. Look at what Joshua is saying, what he's declaring, excuse me, before the Israelites. He's saying, devote yourselves to God, because tomorrow you're going to see amazing things. You're going to see God do wonders. You're going to be witnesses of this. And Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over ahead of the people, and, and so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Verse 7, Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. And if you remember, what the officer said in chapter 1 was, May the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. Even though at the beginning of that chapter, God tells them, I'm with you as I was with Moses. So here is the second time he's, he's, re, he's reassuring Joshua, I got your back. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Verse 8, you shall moreover command the priests you are carrying the, uh, who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here. And hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will assuredly dispossess from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the, the Perizzites, uh, per, and the Gershites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the Lord the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you into the Jordan. Now then, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man of each tribe. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who, who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan will be cut off and the waters shall be uh, the waters that are flowing down from above will stand up in one heap. And guess what happens? So when people set out with their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and when, and when those who carried the Ark came into Jordan, into the Jordan, and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all the days of harvest, so it's an important note here that he's saying the water is always overflowing, right? It's swelling in that part of the Jordan. He says, the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heap in a great distance away at Adam, the city that is besides Zarethan, and those which were flowing down towards the Sea of Araba, Araba the, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. So the people crossed opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. So I don't know personally um, how I would react to this. But what you see is that Joshua surrenders himself, places him as a leader. He surrenders himself to God. And then the people 
surrender themselves to Joshua as God's appointed man. So this is interesting, right? So he's given instructions to the body of Israel, to the to the Israelites, telling them, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to witness. This is what's going to happen. And then it happens. Now, nowhere in this passage did God say, okay, as soon as they step into the water, this is exactly what's going to happen. No, but we find where, where Joshua is saying, this is what you're about to witness. This is what's going to happen. Now, isn't that interesting? For me, I, I find it interesting. Things I think about, things I talk to God about. So he's following God's lead. God told him to have the Israelites go and step into the Jordan. And then when they step into the Jordan, you know, is when, he, when Joshua goes on to say, this is what will happen. So he was declaring. How did he know? How did he know that was going to happen? Was it because of the Red Sea? Well, there wasn't an Ark of the Covenant then. Was there? It says that Moses extended his staff over the sea. He didn't say he gave that staff to Joshua. He says he put that staff in the Ark of the Covenant, along with the Ten Commandments. Right? So if you don't know that, it's important that you go back and read because there's a lot there that is, is very important. So this is what is very interesting that a lot of people never get to. And it is important that we, we go back and we, and we look at this because there's something that happens to Israel that a lot of people don't like talking about. I don't like talking about it because it's the place of extreme and total surrender. So you want God to come through and do wonders in your life, in your situation. Sometimes it requires radical obedience. And look at this. We're going to skip forward to chapter 5. We're hitting all the odd chapters today, right? <laughs> chapter 5. And watch this, in verse 1, it says, And now came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. They're saying, look at this how the Israelites' God performed this wonder. And they also heard what had happened, right? Because we go and we read Rahab in chapter 2, what had happened to the people on the other side of the Jordan and how God delivered those people into the Israelites' hands. And now they're witnessing it. Now the the... The words are going out of what's going on and what's happening, and they're freaking out because here the people of God are on their doorstep, and they are in full panic. Get real a little bit. And I love how Graham Cook breaks this down in his divine confrontation um, teaching from a long time ago. I haven't seen it recently, but a long time ago. And it's it's like this, and the way he puts it is just simply beautiful. He goes, imagine they're in the honeymoon period. They just crossed over into the promised land. And Dan and, and Rachel, some random people in the Israelites, they cross the Jordan and they set their feet on the other side of the shore and they make this altar for all the tribes and that's the chapter we just skipped over. And they decide to to kiss for the first time in the promise. Right? Because they have honeymoon. They're in the honeymoon. 
they're actually seeing the fulfillment for over 40 years. And they hold hands for the first time in the promised land. They get into their first argument, first time in the promised land. Imagine the excitement, the wonder. Oh, I wonder what kind of property we're going to end up with. What kind of land? You know, maybe I'll start a business and, and a new city is in the promised land. Right? They were, they were thinking of the possibilities. Dreaming big. And so, you know, Rachel's making dinner for the first time in the promised land. And all of a sudden, a shofar blast goes out, and they're calling all the men of war to come to the tent to meet. So he gives his, Dan gives his wife, Rachel, a hug for the first time in the promised land. He says, I will be right, I'll be back before dinner, because this was early afternoon. And she says, oh, okay. So she's all excited. She's preparing for a romantic night. And Dan has no idea, no idea what's waiting for him. They get to the tent. And there's Joshua. He's got his hands behind his back. And he says, thus says the Lord. He spoke uh, Elizabeth in English, apparently, right? <laughs> he says, this is what God says, you shall be circumcised. And you can imagine, at least my re- my reaction would be, uh, why couldn't we do this on the other side of the Jordan? Because full-grown men being circumcised means that they would be completely weakened and easy to be overtaken and killed as we see the example in Genesis when the sons of Israel for an entire town because one man violated their sister they circumcised the entire town and went in and murdered them killed them all because they were too weak to fight back. So this should give you an idea of how crazy it is that God takes them across the Jordan, promised land, on the other side of the Jordan, and the first thing God requires of them is to be circumcised. What logic? What craziness God is requiring of them? Look at it. It's right here. It says, verse 2, at the, at the time of the Lord, at the time the Lord said to Joshua, make for yourselves flint knives and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. Ouch. Ouch. That's all I can say. Ouch. There's no words for this, right? Verse 3, so Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gebeth Hararala. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of, the, out of Egypt were, were male, who were males, all the men of war died in the wilderness along with the way, along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So this is the reason. And right? So it says, For the sons of Israel who walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. That's what we're talking about earlier. They didn't surrender to God. They didn't take God for his, what he was saying and the words that he was saying, right? They didn't trust him. It says, to whom the, the Lord had sworn that 
he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7, their, their children whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, but they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Verse 8, now, when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in the places in the camp until they were all healed. Verse 9, then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from among you. So the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Look what God did. He removed the last bit of the the culture and and the mindset and the negativity and the backbiting and the slander and the curse of not being able to enter into the promised land by what? Circumcision. Ouch. How does that apply today? God circumcises your heart. He starts cleaning your heart. He starts bringing awareness and holiness and righteousness and stirring them up in you to where it's yelling at you and you can't ignore it until you deal with it. Until you completely go back to God and completely surrender to him and say, God, I don't know why. This didn't bother me before, but it bothers me now. Telling little white lies bothered me, didn't bother me before, but it bothers me now. Why? Because God is circumcising your heart to remove the reproach that he has against you to allow you to step into greater, to allow you to possess your promised land. Do you see this? And it required complete, ultimate, radical, extreme surrender. So here they are before their enemy for weeks. I read that some men can take up to four, six weeks, eight weeks before they're fully healed. And it says that he waited until they were fully healed before they even did anything. At any time, the enemy could have said, hey, they're too weak. They're just sitting in their camps and not doing anything. Let's go kill them. They wouldn't have been able to fight back. They were sitting ducks in front of their enemy. but they trusted God. To God, it might look like a sitting duck, but greater is he that is with me, greater is he that is for me than anyone who could be against me, and nothing shall by any means harm me. Sounds familiar? Just like Jesus. This was his mindset. This was his thought pattern. Coming, but he has no place in me. You can't touch me. And the Israelites, here they are, before they're in. And the enemies couldn't touch him. The only thing they had was this eager taste of the fact that their lives were going to end soon because the sons of God, the sons of Israel, were ready to possess the promised land, ready to possess their inheritance, ready to possess the promises of God. I can tell you, you might be struggling, you might be fighting off depression or a sickness or financial issues or problems, that God is calling you back to a place 
of consecration, but back to a place of complete devotion to him. A new, extreme, radical surrender. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. You got yourself into the mess because you were relying on your own intellect, your own ideas, your own thoughts. So you thinking that you're going to come up with some great idea to come out of it is just not going to happen. We surrender to God. He makes a way when there seems to be no way. He gives you faith. He's the one who gives you value. He's the one who gives you strength, your prosperity. It's Him that we make our boast in. It's Him that brings everything else healing and miracles and prophecy and wonders and all this are a byproduct of walking with God, knowing God, communicating with God, walking in fellowship and communion with Him. And this is what He's calling you back to. This is what He wants in your life for you to go forward to inherit your promised land, to see the walls of Jericho come completely down. He wants to reestablish his covenant with you. He wants to spend time with you. No more excuses. A lot of times people are, they think that they're, they're trying so hard to hear God and, and they're just frustrated because they can't hear God because of the situation and everything is going down and is everything is going bad and it's problem after problem after problem. But in reality, they're never taking time just to be with God. No agenda, no motivation, not trying to manipulate God into solving their issue or their problem, but just saying, God, what do you want to talk about today? No agenda. Not trying to, to do anything and and manipulating him or or twist his arm to do what he promised in the first place? A relationship. Knowing him. Knowing his character and his nature. Saying, God, you are such an amazing God. You know what's before me, or you know what's behind me. You know every situation, every person on this planet, their thoughts, their lives, you know, everything. So it's so easy to surrender to you because you're good. You've chose to give us to give us mercy and to show us grace or show us mercy and give us grace. Instead of killing us in our sleep. Why would God kill us in our sleep? Because that would be a merciful thing to do with someone who openly rebels against us. He talks about him. He claims to be a believer, but doubts him in everything he says in his word. That's why it says, let God be true and every man a liar. Don't put weight on what man tells you. Completely and utterly surrender to God and let him dictate to you who you are, what you're capable of, and what you will do. This is surrender. One of my favorite movies is is Josh, uh, David King of uh, David um, Joseph King of Dreams by DreamWorks. And Potiphar in the movie, and it's not in scripture, but Potiphar in the movie goes to Joseph and says, "So what do you think?" He goes, "I cannot say, for a slave is not his own master." He says, that's well said. And it got him from doing hard manual labor to him being an overseer in the cartoon. And so when you see, his response wasn't like, here's my chance 
to make a way for myself. It was humility. It was surrender. It was submission. I can tell you, beloved, today, this moment, take some time before God and re-surrender to Him. Choose to surrender every moment of every day from this day forward. Let your goal, let your mark be that you live a life completely surrendered to God that is not by what you think or the doctrine or the church that you go to, but it's complete obedience to the Word of God and doing the Word of God. This is what God's after. This is what your heart is after. This is what your spirit's after. Surrender to him, and you will see wonder every day of your life. I guarantee you, because God is true to who he is. Thank you for tuning in. Next week, we're going to start diving into Jericho and the wall, and we're going to talk about the power of shutting your mouth. And just to give you a little info on that, basically a lot of times when we're in a situation, we want to vent. We want to say what's on our thoughts, and we just want to get it all out so we can feel better. But we're going to talk about how sometimes it's better not to say anything at all. But to redirect your heart, your thoughts, your mind, everything back to God. We're going to talk about how this happens and how we can make this happen practically. And the results will be the walls coming down in your life. In every area, you will go from victory to victory because God calls you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen? Well, God bless you. Um, Dorothy? Yes. Any feedback? Any additional yes. comments? Uh, the only thing I can say is that, you know, you made me think of the times you do surrender to God and you surrender it all. And then over time, sometimes, Life gets in the way or, you know, things are happening in the family and you start pulling back. So it's it's very good. We do need to re-surrender at times. We need to reevaluate where we are in our surrendering and trusting, I think. Yes, absolutely. And it's something, you know, when Paul says, I die daily, it's basically saying, he goes, hey, it's, it's, it's not my life. I've been bought with a price. I, I've been paid for by Jesus Christ. So I'm no longer my own. I belong to him. And this is how he lived his life, in, in complete and utter surrender. This is how Jesus lived his life. How do I know? Because he constantly went around saying, throughout the book of the, you know, the, the gospel according to John, he says, I don't speak my own words. I say what the Father says. I don't do my own actions, basically. Because I do what I see the Father do. I say what he tells me to say. So it was about God's will being done and not his own. So even Jesus came to surrender and live a life of obedience, which happens when we completely surrender. Which is very interesting. We'll 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 get into it more. <laughs> I'm looking Any forward to it. Comments? This is a good series. Pardon? 
Is it any additional comments? Came to my mind. I was really enthralled with this lesson, you know, because we do build walls in our lives and, and they need to come down and, and to be totally at I mean, that trusting that had to, they were forced into it during that, um, Oh, the surgery they did, the circumcision. They had to trust God. They had no choice but to trust God at that point. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was... Sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. That was the whole thing. Well, something I was just going to point out real quick. You go back in chapter four, you find that the the sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. So that's not all twelve tribes, right? This is only a few tribes. Was forty thousand men of war? Forty thousand. So imagine Joshua at the end of that day, tired, right? And he was using a flint knife. On top of that, right? So, he's tired. Over 40,000 men he circumcised. And today we have doctors who are are taught how to do it and when to do it. We have no idea if Joshua even had any training. Right? Well, maybe Moses showed him how. I don't know. Well, we yeah we we don't know maybe he witnessed it I mean, I mean obviously for himself right but but for everything else it's kind of like the practical questions when sometimes we're reading the word of God we look over because we just see it as a story in the Bible but these were actually people they had emotions and feelings and and you know they they thought certain ways and they had their own culture and their own settings and. And something that Graham Cook goes back into, he says, so, the, you know, Dan, the husband's wobbling home, and he gets back to his tent, right? And his wife is upset. She burnt the chicken and because he didn't come home in time, and it's super late, and she's mad at him, and, you know. <laughs> and she's like, and why are you walking funny, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> She thought she had a bad night. <laughs> had no idea that that her husband Dan had a horrible night, you know. And so, just you know, think about it practically. It, it makes it, it's it's just very interesting. And something that that I see, just the the beautiful kindness of God. That He is truly the kindest being you'll ever meet. And even though. He puts you in places of vulnerability. It's a place that shows your total surrender and reliance on him. And that's where he wants all of us. He is strong yeah. when we are weak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so if you couldn't tell, I really enjoyed um, sharing today. <laughs> so um, I did forget to make the notes. I'm sorry. I'll go back and I will, I will place the notes out for you, uh, so you can download and you can go over it yourself. Study through this. Read through it. Read slowly, and you're going to see a lot of the things I'm telling you. You'll probably even get even greater insight and understanding in these different situations. Uh, in yeah, there's just so much there. To, you know, I can preach on on each of those chapters, five or six different sermons, easy, um, talking about different aspects and bringing things to light. And, yeah, just, just go back, just meditate on it, talk to God, and, and just choose to surrender. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray for you. I'm going to bless you and expect to see wonders. Because God is still the same today as he was yesterday. 
and he will still be the same tomorrow as he is today. Okay? So bless you. So let me pray. So right now, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your nature and your character. And I thank you, Father, for all those who are listening, that whatever the situation may be, that they would possess their promised land, that they would step into their destiny, that they would inherit your promises and see that your promises manifested in every area of their lives. For your kingdom, Father, for your glory, for your name, any debt has to go now. Any depression, mental illnesses, you have to go now. In Jesus' name. Health, you come. Prosperity, you come. Godly relationships, you come. Encouragement, you come. In Jesus' name, it's 100%. We thank you, Father. You do exceedingly above all we can actually think for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Anthony. Well, thank you. Thank you for, uh-huh. for tuning in and joining us. And uh, thank you for all that you do, Dorothy. Really appreciate it. Quite welcome. And y'all have a blessed couple of weeks in between the study here. Be thinking about what's coming up next and, and just meditate on it. <clears throat> I'm sorry, spring must be here somehow because my allergies are going crazy. Oh, even though we don't have the warm weather yet. Um, <laughs> so you have a blessed night, Anthony, and everybody out you there. Too, Father, Father bless, and good night, everyone. Good night, Dorothy. Good night, everyone.